Hello and welcome to Word Perfect. You're listening to Siren Radio. My name's Steve Court and we're going to have another show today where we talk to one of the many fabulous writers who has come through Inspired. And for the second time ever, we're actually having a repeat guest on the show. So we've got Anne-Christine Tabaka who's joining us today. So welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you. Welcome to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you today because uh, the first time we spoke, we talked a little bit about the book, but it was mainly about yourself and about your journey as a writer. But today, I want us to really focus on uh, the book that is just about. Well, depending on when you're listening to this at home, has either come out today, has come out at some point in the future, or came out fairly recently. Uh, because obviously, that's the joy of podcasts. Is I don't know when you're listening to us right now, um, but the the book that we're going to talk about today is I no longer hear you sing, uh, which is a, a beautiful, beautiful collection of poetry. Um, but for those people at home who are maybe not familiar with yourself, Christine, just give us a little a little bit about yourself. Where where who are you and where you're from? Uh, I live in Hocassin, Delaware, in the United States, on the East Coast. I was actually born in Delaware, so I'm a native Delawarean. Um, I've done little traveling and I've written about it, but normally I've just sat right here. I was a, a fine arts major in college, and then I switched to organic chemistry because there really wasn't a financial future in the fine arts, but I still continue to delve in a little bit of uh, illustration. I love Art Deco and black and white and things like that. And um, so I was a chemist for 31 years and where I retired from there, I was a runner and a power lifter. So I became a personal trainer for about 10 years. And when I retired from there, I still didn't know what, to be, know what I want to be when I grew up. So I became a poet and a writer, but I've been dabbling in poetry my whole life since I was about 14. I actually kept like a diary of rhymes and musings and poems ever since I was 14. And that's how I actually finally put together my first book. It went all the way back. It was kind of like a diary of my life. And uh, it's just something that became very deep within me. And I've just continued it. And I hope I don't tire of that and move on. But we'll see. Only the future can tell. Absolutely. But you've, you've now got quite a, a healthy back catalogue of, of publications, haven't you, in terms of the books that you've brought out? The book that you are publishing now is going to be my 14th poetry book, and I have one memoir, and I am working on a short story book at this point in time. Amazing. And they are, and they are the, the, the piece of yours that I've read, the books I've read are absolutely brilliant. So this is the, um, uh, I No Longer Hear You Sing, is the second book that's come out through Inspired. So we had Pondering the Shoreline of Existence uh, last year, um, which again was just a beautiful piece. And actually there's a, a link between the two books as well, isn't there? Because the covers have both been designed by the same, uh, the same artist as well. Carl Schwartz, I guess. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Um... Yeah, I guess it's Schwarworth, Schwarworth, Carl Schwarworth. And he's not only a fantastic photographer, he does a lot of the abstract, which suits my poetry perfectly because I've really gotten into the abstract. But he's a poet in his own right. And he's a fantastic runner still, and he still wins races. And he even writes some uh, plays and things. And I hear he's being published with you now also. 
He is actually two weeks uh, from your release date is the release date for for Carl's book, which is uh, Playground of Destiny, which is a collection of his uh, photography, his artwork, of his um, poetry, some short stories, a play extract. So it's a real amalgamation of bits, and he's uh, yeah he's he's bringing that out through through Inspired in two weeks' time. So yeah, he's there. But his his covers are for your books in particular are exquisite, aren't they? They're just beautiful pieces. I'm I'm really thrilled to be working with him because in the past I've either done my own what I do when I used to self-publish my own covers off the internet like from Pixabay or I've had photographs of me or photographs that my husband have taken or something like that and they worked very well for the books but they weren't real art like now the last two books with with Carl are just really amazing because they really suit my books and my poems and what's in them the, it's like they were custom made for my books absolutely yeah the, the the beauty of the cover is reflected by the quality of what you then find inside which is uh, which is fantastic so cuba's just a little overview as to what um i no longer hear you sing is all about well it's not as all my books are they kind of has a little bit of everything there's even a few rhymes and a few musings and some pretty little ditties in there and uh but this one I've kind of decided to it's taken me kind of in a new direction I've moved away from the as I like to put them cute little rhymes that I used to feel all poems had to be and I've really started to do a little more poems about something more deep and sometimes desperation and sometimes great joy but I do a lot of abstract work now and a lot of um, experimental work now where I kind of sometimes break apart words to really emphasize and so you're reading different syllables of the words to emphasize them and all and the title is after one of the poems I no longer hear you sing mother of mine about, of course, losing my mother, which was in 2004, and she was 88 at the time, but she was such an influence on my life. I, I'm not going to go into my childhood, but it's because of her that I'm even alive and that I've ever kept trying and everything because she was such a strong and such a, a religious and spiritual person. And uh, there's quite a few poems in there about my mother and even one or two about my father. And how to learn to forgive and, and to move on and things like that. But there's a lot of my family and me wrapped up in these poems. And after reading other friends' poems, I, I noticed that, you know, we all have so much in common. And I have people that read my poems and go, oh, my God, that's my brother. How did you know that? And things like that. And that that's what I think writers write for, to touch other people and to share that, yes, we are all one human race on this planet sharing the same loves and joys and sorrows. Absolutely. And I think that's, uh, Inspired has really made me aware of that as well, because obviously we get writers from all over the world with all kinds of different backgrounds, whether that's just socioeconomic, religious, political, whatever their, their differences are, there seems to be this general core thing about just what it is to be, human and to be alive and to to have these things and we have this shared experience regardless as to all of those uh those those different things and and it's been really nice as part of inspired to kind of get to see that on a well, on a global level just to see that 
you know, people like yourself, you're, you're sitting in Delaware, which must be two and a half, 3,000 miles away from where I am right now. And yet there's so much about what you write that is just directly relevant to myself and to the way that I, you know, I live over here. And the same with the guys I've got that I'm working with at the moment in Sydney, in Australia. It, you wouldn't know we were on opposite sides of a globe because there's just this shared human condition. I, I personally believe, except for maybe a very few rare exceptions, the, the people that are maybe so wealthy that they are within themselves and they don't realize it. I think the majority of people are more the same than different. We have the same feelings, the same wants, the same desires, the same loves, the same fears. And I think that's what all writing brings out, whether they're short stories, whether they're novels, whether they're poems, whether they're songs. I mean, why do you think songs bring so many people together across the world? It's, it's, it's that you, you pick a little something out that's familiar that just speaks to you. And I think that's what writing is. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I always used to joke that I became a poet because I couldn't sing. It was my way of doing, doing music, which is what I really wanted to be able to do. I couldn't play an instrument and I couldn't sing. So uh, I was left with just the words and uh, that's how I became a poet. But it's, um, I think there is this, this sort of shared experience that people come together. And like you say, the way that music can unite people. And I think poetry has that same thing. I think the problem we've got at the moment is trying to convince most of the world that poetry isn't that thing they were tortured with at school. And that actually it can be something cathartic and it can be something fun and engaging and entertaining. And, um, and it's not just all um, dead world or one poets or things about clouds, which we were, you know, beaten with a stick with while we were 12 at school. Well, when, if you go back and read those poets now, I think you'll read something deeper into the work, but it was force fed to you in grade school as memorizing and it, I think that's where a lot of people are turned off to poetry. I had so many friends that have never bought one of my books because they just don't like poetry. And that's fine. Everybody's got their own thing. And it's, it's a shame because I think it's poetry is taught the wrong way in grammar school. And I think that's what the big problem is with a lot of writing. I mean, I didn't like to read the, the classic novels in high school and have to write big, long book reports on them and stuff. And it kind of turned me off for a long time to writing and reading. So it, it's, I think that people need to find a better way to introduce and teach literature. Absolutely. I think it's slowly starting to, to shift, but I think you, the fact that like I say, when you're, when you're 12 and at school and you're given a classic novel to read, you know that ultimately all this is going to lead to is having to write a lot of essays. Yeah. And so it puts you off being able to just enjoy the book. Shakespeare, I, I now I'm an absolute Shakespeare geek. Like I, I love it to pieces. I, in fact, I've just written a book myself as a, uh, a study guide for Macbeth. Um, just because I've geeked out that much, I realized when my son started studying it, just how much I knew about that book that it sort of wrote itself. And um, but as a kid, you said the word Shakespeare, you said the word poetry, and immediately I started to shut down and switch off and to think oh, oh boring and, and so and I think a lot of adults now still have I think you say the word poetry and they go oh yeah exactly you know what's interesting is you mentioning you started doing poetry writing poetry because you couldn't sing well I'm tone deaf too I can't sing and I've got a terrible voice it's inherited my mother was the same 
I have this amazing friend who has taken three or four of my poems and they're not cute little rhyming poems. And he not only composed the music to put them to the music, but he sings them and his voice is like magic. And it's like that to me is the real reward. He did it because he wanted to. He asked me if he could. He didn't charge me. He put two of them on YouTube and two of them on that uh, SoundCloud. He just did it because he liked my poems. And to me, that that is the biggest award that I could ever get because his voice just is amazing and his music is amazing. The fact that he thought my poems were worth him making songs out of. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, that's, that's nice when you get those, those moments, isn't it? When you get that little bit of recognition and you see somebody else appreciate the, the, the content that you've, you've produced. It's, uh, it's a really nice moment. Um, and this sounds like a great moment, actually, for us maybe to hear a little something from, from the book. So do you have um, a couple of things you could read for us now? Uh, yes, I have a few poems that actually you suggested. The first one is Delving into Darkness. Fantastic. So maybe we can hear a couple now and then we'll, we'll have another one later on in the, in the program. Okay. Delving into darkness. He was lost, trapped inside a world of his own making. I sit observing him battle his nightmares, trying to grasp the containment of a tormented mind. Illusions and dreams ruled his day as anguish ruled his night. Looking through thinly veiled truth, grasping at frayed hope, he limps along a well-worn path searching for righteousness. Many have trod this way before, delving into the darkness that resides within, but few have found the key to open the cast iron door. And that was delving into darkness. And if you want me to do two it right now, the second one is actually the title poem from the book, I No Longer Hear You Sing, Mother of Mine. Today is a day like no other, bonds shatter into dust. I lost you to the shearing wind, ashes loft on high. You no longer sing out of tune to me, evoking memories of tear-stained rain. A fractured bird that cannot trill has become my destiny. Left alone among the masses, searching for a sign, I will never be whole again. It happened so long ago, or was it yesterday? Remorseful time got in the way. We were flesh before we tore. The womb calls us to rejoin. And that was I No Longer Hear You Sing, Mother of Mine. And I mentioned in it her singing out of tune because I can't sing either. <laughs> Actually, I did notice that as soon as I was in there. I, was, I remember that. But, but I think it's uh, it, it's it's the title poem, as you said, from, from the book. And the book itself is um, a collection of some 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 beautiful poetry, some really, really nice things in there. But it is very clear in this one, if you look at it between this one and Pondering the Shoreline of Existence, that it does have this slightly more raw, personal feel to the book. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that after we take our first musical break. So um, we're, we're speaking today, obviously, on the show to Anne-Christine Tabaka. We're going to take a little musical break now, and then we'll talk a little more about her book, I No Longer Hear You Sing, when we're back. And ice cream castles in the air And feathered canyons everywhere I've looked at 
clouds that way But now they only block the sun They rain and snow on everyone So many things I would have done But clouds got in my way I've looked at clouds from both sides now Welcome back to Word Perfect. You're listening to Siren Radio. My name's Steve Court, and we're joined today in the studio by Anne Christine Tabaka, a fantastic writer from uh, Delaware over in the United States of America. And we're talking to her today about her new book, I No Longer Hear You Sing. So we heard a couple of pieces before uh, the musical break there, uh, Christine. But um, what what led you to initially starting to write this book? Because it is a little bit more personal, isn't it? It is. I don't know that anything ever really makes me start a book. I just write poems as they come to me. And then I start realizing that many times there's a pattern to the poems. So they work very well in the book. But this book also has um, poems about me visiting Ocracoke by taking the ferry there. And um, I have a, a black cat that kind of sinks into my legs and melts there all the time and how much we're both comfort seekers. And also there's actually a lot of also, even though they're personal light 
poems that aren't really about family and all in here. I just, but I think the majority of it, I mean, does tend to circle around things that are very, very personal to me, not poems of somebody out there that I saw or a pretty tree or something. And uh, it just came together. It's just how my work is. I mean, I'm also writing poems for one that'll probably come out in about a year since I'm working on the short story book. And uh, other than a poem about my brother who uh, was a lifer in the air force and passed away in his funeral, it, it's not quite as personal. It's, it's got a lot of things. It's got a poem about Georgia O'Keeffe, a fantastic Midwestern painter that's real, really inspired me when I was into painting and things like that in it. So that one's a little more personal in not my family type poems as this one is. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Uh, it's, uh, you, you've got some bits about visiting Oak, Oak I can never say Oak, Ocracoke. Ocracoke, North Carolina. It's a little fishing village off the Outer Banks. There are the Outer Banks or the um, barrier islands along the coast of North Carolina. They continue to sail over South Carolina, but the pirates, I think, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Blackbeard. I've had poems about Blackbeard and stuff in other books from long ago. Yes. In fact, one of my short stories kind of gets into some ghosts and stuff. So. We've been, my husband and I have been going there for 26 years and we like to go off season when it's a quiet fishing village and a lot of bird shoreboard migration. And it's just, to us, it's just so lovely when there's not a lot of people there. We've gotten to learn to actually know a lot of the locals there. And they got this cute saying, um, ding batters. A ding batter is somebody that is a tourist but they told us we're no longer ding batters because we've been coming so long. We, we know their habits and we know a lot of the locals and stuff. So it's, it's a very personal place for us to visit. Sadly, it's 10 and a half hours drive and I'm 70 and my husband's 66. So I don't know how much longer we're going to be able to manage that, but uh, it, it's our home away from home. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fantastic. I mean, I've seen some, photographs that you've posted and things on on facebook before and it look it does look like a, an incredible uh, incredible it's place paradise to us so in terms of in terms of the book then so um i no longer hear you saying for those of you at home who are interested in getting yourselves a copy of the book there are a few ways you can do that if you go to the impspired.com website and go to the impspired authors section you'll be able to find the links you need under uh, and Christine Tobacco's name on there. Or you can go directly to Amazon, wherever you are in the world, and you can search for it on there and you'll be able to find find yourself a copy of the book. And I do recommend it wholeheartedly. It is a, a, a beautiful book. Like I see the cover by Carl Schwarz is just absolutely incredible. And then I'll see the poetry inside just complements that even further. Um, so you've mentioned a few things in terms of uh, writing the short story collection. So what, what sort of prompted you to leave poetry behind and go into something new? <laughs> There's a gentleman named Stephen Lester Carr, C-A-R-R, who is in a lot of the Facebook poetry groups. And he's a short story writer extraordinaire. I mean, he must publish three stories a day. And I bought many of his short story books and he's got his own group and he keeps encouraging me whenever he has a group story. He, you've got to write his, you got to write a chapter. You got to write a chapter. You got to do this. 
And so I've started writing a lot of stuff just because of him. And then there's these things called drabbles, which are exactly 100 word stories. They have to have a beginning, a middle and an end and 100 words, period. And I had friends that were into that. They said, if you can write poems, you can write drabbles. And drabbles were a lot harder for me because I could get the middle and I could get the start, but I'm not always sure how I'm going to end it. Mm. And, uh, but I got quite a few published and I started getting them published in, in literary you know, journals, just like the poems. And I don't have as many, so it's, I'm still working on it. I still want to get enough to make it a worthwhile book. But uh, the ones that I've written, I've actually had fun writing, but it's, it's because of uh, Stephen that I've written it all. In fact, he just put together a book, which was a mystery book about a missing recipe all in the search for it all around the world or stolen recipe. And he really bugged me until I wrote a chapter. And of course my chapter, and you're supposed to write it about either where you live or a place, you know, so of course my chapter was written how they went to Ocracoke, North Carolina to look for it. But uh, he was really impressed. So I was happy, you know, to give it a try, but I kind of him and he and Hall because I always come up with a beginning and I got quite a bit of filler, but it's like, how do I really want to end this? I mean, do I want a zinger? Do I want a quiet ending? Is somebody going to get murdered? Is somebody going to have an aha moment? So I actually have trouble with my endings more than anything. And I'm always told by writers that you have to have a beginning and an ending, and then you fill it in. But my mind doesn't work like that. So I don't always have an ending. No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's partly where I think I've always struggled with the idea of writing a novel or a, I, I, I peter out too quickly. I think that's how I've ended up doing plays and, and poetry, because I, I, I have the staying power for that. Whereas I sort of, I get a little bit lost in my own idea and it sort of ends up becoming either this long meandering road to nowhere, or I'm never quite sure where it is I'm trying to take it to. And so it just sort of peters out. But I, I know that feeling. But Steve, Steve Carr is, uh, he is the, the epitome of a story writer, isn't he? He's, he's so prolific in terms of the number, oh, yes. but also yes. the quality of what he does is just outstanding. He's been in Impspired himself a few times. And, uh, yeah. and Jim Bates also, he's another friend of mine that is just, well, he writes poems and haiku too, but he's a writer who's encouraged me a lot. But Stephen Carr is just he just, he's always on me about, well, I'm doing this and I need you to write this for it. I'm doing that. I need you to write that for it. And so he's, he's kind of pushed me a little out of my comfort zone, which I'm very happy for and I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I think it's uh, probably a good time if you have your, your final reading for us that we could hear uh, another piece from the book. All right. This one's called We Are All Stories in the End. Reality swings on a breeze far above the fire of our hearts, dangerously balanced between life and death. Do we really exist or are we mere revelries living in a place long forgotten? Where do memories go when they die? What vacuum devours our soul? People going about their daily lives while tiptoeing across a universe of illusion, filling in the blank of what could have been should have been, painting the world with multicolored thoughts, becoming manifestations of what we believe. I am a dream inside your head. We are all stories in the end. Fantastic. Yes, we are. 
aren't we all just that? Kind of like the world is a stage and we're all stories. And we all have a story to tell. Some people tell it better. Some people are afraid to tell it. But I think everybody has a story to tell in the end. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's uh, that idea that everybody has a novel in them is is true. It's just obviously some people's novels are probably a bit rubbish, but it's <laughs> but everybody's got a story to tell, haven't they? Everybody's got something that is unique about them, their perspective on the world only they can have. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a privileged position to be in when you get to have all of these people send you their their take on life and their views of the world, and just to be able to sit back and submerge myself in that a few times a month while I'm doing the the readings for submissions and stuff like that is just absolutely uh, an incredible place to be at. Um, so it does bring us towards the end of today's uh, program. So to, to end, Christine, just a massive thank you for your time today. Uh, it's been brilliant to talk to you as always. Thank you so much. And uh, obviously all the best of luck with the the latest release which is uh, i no longer hear you sing if you want to get yourselves a copy of that get yourselves to impspired.com or get yourselves straight onto amazon and search for and christine tobacco i no longer hear you sing and you'll find uh obviously a copy that you can order wherever you are in the world it should be available for you to get now on amazon um best of luck with the short story writing best of luck with uh, obviously the poetry books that come in the future i have absolutely no doubt that there won't be uh, more from you and that they oh, you'll be-, be hearing from me again i just love working with you you are the the best person to work for for publishing so until you get tired of me i'll keep bugging you oh you keep bugging me then that sounds like a good plan you you keep writing and sending it to me and i'll keep doing my side so uh it's been a privilege as always we uh we play you out with our final song of the day today but please do join us again on word perfect next week where we will be speaking to another writer about their books about their journey and about their experiences so this has been word perfect my name is steve court have a good week Like all the rest With her fog
drug, her amphetamine and her pearls. She takes just like a woman. Yes, she makes love just like a woman. Yes, she does, and she aches just like a woman. But she breaks just like a little Just like a little girl. 